it was not that I was searching for it. It really came to me. But now I think that once the door is open, you start seeing things differently. And I'm in touch with a lot of big VCs as well. And I get to know more and more about this whole startup world. And yeah, I'm, I'm very, very interested in this whole thing and, and really also keen to learn a lot more. Yeah, it was probably not the last one, I'm sure. <laughs> This is Female Business Angel Podcast. Your go-to destination if you're a business angel or would like to get into angel investing and don't know where to start. Or if you just want to find out how we tick. We're Tina and Katja, both business angels from Berlin. Well, I'm a VC now. We will interview established female business angels about how they got started and how it is going, including all the best tips and tricks. So get ready for some insider stories and personal empowering moments and revelations with these incredible women. Welcome to this journey with us. Hi, Laura. It's so great that you're giving us your time. Um, tell us about you. Who are you? How did you start getting into angel investing? Yeah, thank you so much, Tina, for having me. Um, to start with angel investing, I think we have to go back many, many years when I started as a journalist um, because I'm probably the least um, prototype of an angel investor you will have on your podcast. Um, so I started as a journalist at the German press agency. I've been working there for a couple of years, also internationally in Brussels, for instance. And then after, I think it was like three or four years, I decided to make myself, I, I wanted to be self-employed. So, and for me, it was quite a challenge because I was never in the entrepreneurial field. I never worked in a typical company. So to say, I never really learned how to set up a startup. I never really had to define my own role. You know, I was a journalist within a big company and that works totally different. If you are like a consultant for Rocket Internet, you automatically get to know how companies work. And for me, it was quite the opposite because I was always on my own journey. You know, I was creating my own stories. So when I quit the DPA job, I really jumped in the cold water and I also didn't really have the classical strategy. And over the years, and now it's three years that I'm self-employed, I not only got to know how to create my own product and realize how to scale ideas or knowledge I have as a journalist, but also how to set up the whole foundation. And without even knowing that the term creative economy exists, I realized I am not a startup founder. I'm not a typical journalist anymore. I don't consider myself as a freelancer. And I really had to find my own identity. So I remember so, first meeting you and not really not knowing where to put you. Yeah. <laughs> so we exactly. met at a dinner and you just told me about these dinners you started hosting. Yeah. And um and, and and that was really like it was so, so curious because like, oh, she's a journalist and she's doing these experience dinners. And yeah. so it was like, um, so you really like I guess you were very entrepreneurial all the time in just creating worlds, or I don't know what, what yeah, would you call exactly. it. I mean, so the dinners you were talking about, it was right after I quit my job. Um, I got in touch with Google and other other big companies like um, Uber and Facebook. And 
I don't even really know, Tina, how that worked out. But they said, yeah, we, we were launching products and we're like super interested in your journalism work and we've been following you on social media. And I came up with the idea. I was like, okay, if I write about certain topics with a social relevant background, why can't we just transform it into an event so you can launch your product? And I combine it, for instance, with the topic Africa. And instead of writing about Africa, I educate, I educate people on site. And we are doing like an amazing event. And maybe people get to know your product, which is obviously, that's what Google, for instance, wanted. But for me, it was always super important that people have a takeaway, that they learn something from the event. And with Facebook, for instance, we did it for the uh, topic circular economy um, and for, for fashion and and with Uber, we did it um, in a very environmental-based topic. It was all about um, plant-based food and zero waste, etc. And as I said, I mean, it was never really a strategy. It just turned out that I was always really living from my experience and that I always managed to get like really big deals. And looking back, sometimes I'm also laughing because... As I said, it was like super organic. I was just in touch with people. I also found a team, you know, whenever I needed someone, I had freelancers. So without knowing it, I was more acting like an entrepreneur than a journalist ever. And also, obviously, I was cooperating with, with big companies. And if you're super honest, I mean, as a journalist, you're not allowed to, to do anything in advertising. So, but I was like, I don't even care what the others say. And, you know, I was still having my column for Business Insider and I was um, having my, my podcast for Red Bull. And then I even started my own YouTube show. So I was always in between, as I said. I was not 100% journalist. I was not 100% startup founder. And then until last year, right before the pandemic hit, I actually, for myself, I was like, okay, you are doing a lot. And... I think you're also doing it good, but you're always exchanging money with time. And this is how I really got on the idea that I want to found my own business. But obviously, I didn't have a product. It was all my head. I was like, okay, it's impossible to really scale knowledge. How, how can I do that? And how can as many people as possible benefit from it? And then I really got deeper in this whole online learning and education topic and cohort-based learning and whatsoever. And I was doing a lot of research, actually what other creators did before. So, you know, we have some really famous examples here in, in Germany, like Laura Malina Seiler, for instance. She actually also started with a podcast talking about coaching and spirituality and mindfulness, etc. And behind that podcast and spiritual guidance, I would say, is a massive million dollar company. And I, I got deeper and deeper in that. And then I actually met a friend and she told me she was working as an investor herself as well. And she told me, yeah, you, Laura, I mean, you are actually the prototype of a creator. And I was like, oh, what, what is a creator? I mean, yes, creator. Am I a YouTuber? No. No, no, no. It's like super big. It's in the US, you know, talking about the creator economy. And I think for two months, I was only hooked on that term. I was like, wow, this is some, this feels like someone tells me, oh, you belong to this family. And, you know, I, I suddenly felt I was belonging to someone. And I realized that there were so many other people around me, not necessarily journalists, but also other people coming up with knowledge, being on their self-entrepreneurial journey, not really freelancing, but not only startup founders. 
and and scaling their own knowledge. And this is how I got in this whole, or this is actually how I started to consider myself really as an entrepreneur and also a founder, but not the typical, I come up with the product, I go ready for market and maybe get investing. So yeah, in a nutshell, that was my way. It's a really like original creator. Well, when that term happened in, in when did that term happen first come out in the US? Do you know? Um, I mean, when it turned out to be super famous, I think one of the leading figures in the US was definitely Lee Jin, also um, working for VC, and she was blogging about it. And I think she even coined the term creator economy. And I've been also following her for, I think, over a year now. But in the US, she's already bigger than this. And I mean, even blogging longer than, than a year about it. Maybe I would say two or three years, but I don't e even know. Um, actually, I found out about it. And then I researched about it more and more and more and realized like the whole US is talking about it, especially in my world, in my niche. Yeah. And then when I also met the uh, the guys who are now the two I invested in their company or did my first angel investment, um, I realized that the market here in Germany is like really stuck in the middle age. I mean, if you talk to investors or many investors about the creator economy, economy they, they are like, oh, you want to support YouTubers, which is definitely not the case, but they don't really get the opportunity and the movement. And I think the pandemic really fired up this whole movement because so many people realized, okay, I can't be in that job anymore or I don't even want to be in that job anymore. I'm stuck at home. Maybe, I don't know the word in, in English, but I'm on Kurzarbeit. Like I can only work part-time. And um, so what do I do with my free time? And then they maybe start writing. They start podcasting. Um, they feel they have something to say and they want to go out and they want to inspire people with the knowledge. And as I said, it doesn't have to be a journalist. It can be a scientist. It can be an angel an investor. It can be a doctor, a lawyer, like whatsoever there are so many topics or basically on every topic you can fire people with your with your knowledge amazing yeah and um so so f how did the shift from creator to investor work or is it just that is it is it just the one investment you've done yes yeah so is it a case of you being saying like oh i really need this so i'm gonna invest in it or do you have a bigger plan of doing more Yeah, so I never really thought about that deeply before because obviously if you look, if you are like an outstanding person, and I think this is how many people feel who are not in touch with investing or never worked for VC or, you know, who is like a person who is basically not familiar with this topic. From the outside perspective, it, it really feels like, okay, you first need a lot of money And also you need to be maybe, I don't know, very deep in economy or certain topics. Or it's like maybe the art scene 10 years ago, you know, like only the experts get in it. And if you're an outsider, you never find a way in it. But I always had it on my plan. And what was also a very interesting opportunity for me, or actually something I thought about a lot, was, okay, first of all, um, talking about investing and, and finance strategies for women. I mean, everybody now is talking about, okay, now invest your money in ETFs, do a long-term strategy, or maybe buy shares, but only if you know about it, right? So I feel that there is a lot 
to say, and there are like a lot of women also who want to empower other women um, to go more in investing and, and, you know, build up their own little portfolio. So to be not dependent on their husband or whatsoever when they're old, right? So this is probably the biggest shift from my generation to my mother's generation. Um, and, and I felt, okay, so, but what about companies? I mean, definitely there is a higher risk. It's not like ETF um, investing where you put like 300 uh, euros every month on your bank account or on your ETF um, portfolio. But I mean, first of all, you have a lot, like a much bigger impact if you invest in really good ideas and you really empower young entrepreneurs. And I mean, as I said, I'm a journalist. I don't have a classical VC-backed startup, but I can support these companies or these founders or even these movements and ideas with my money. And it doesn't have to be 1 million euros or dollar. It can only be a little, like small ticket with a couple of thousand euros. And I thought, okay, for myself, it's amazing first to have this opportunity and also to diversify my own portfolio because you have a mix of everything. This is something I really, really love about it. And also I realized that First of all, turning from journalist to creator and then realizing you don't even have to be like a startup founder who had a huge exit to become an investor, but now you can be a creator and then become an investor. Yeah, I think that's one of the really important messages that people think you have to be extremely loaded. I think you have to be aware that it's super high risk and you have to only invest money that is not going to break your back losing. Um, But apart from that, it's really, you don't need that much, especially, and this is, I guess, where you're so clearly positioned, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts, is it's so important to have like a very clear positioning of who you are and what you have to offer. And I guess in your case, it's really, um, really clear what you have to offer. Yeah, and I think also, you know, when you talk to startups, and it's not that I've talked to so, so, so many startups before, but what I can tell already is, Startups are also not only begging for money. They are very careful when they choose their investors, they right? They should be. Um, or actually, they should be, right? And it's not about only, oh, I can give you money, then be happy and shut your mouth. It's more like, I give you money, but what else can you offer? And yeah. I was in touch with the founders even before their case was even alive, right? I talked to them before they founded the company itself and when they were still in search of the third co-founder. So I literally got to know them from the very, very first day. And that was so interesting because I realized how do they work? How do they get along with challenges? How structured do they actually approach this case? And I was really fascinated by this because it was within such a short time and I mean, I didn't even mention the the, the company yet. It's, it's passion fruit, and they're um, basically a fintech um, startup in the creator economy. And they want to help creators to be financially independent and to really work on their um, creator business more efficiently with an app or a financial system behind it. And I strongly support the idea because I'm a creator myself, and I definitely and hundred percent know what they were talking about. And I know many many creators they've talked to, and also from the US. And I realized more and more that it's not only about money, it's really about expertise that I can also share and contribute. And I can also open doors for them, right? It might not be the next 
um, big, uh, two, I don't know, 2 million euro tickets, but I can open doors to press, to media. And also um, from our own storytelling academy, the one I founded last year, I invited um, the two the two um, founders to take part. And what happened, it, it was in the midst of their fundraising process. And after they went through my storytelling class, they raised like over 3 million, which was amazing because then I also could help with my knowledge, right? That's cool. And I think this is an exchange and many um, business angels should consider it's not only about money, it's really about your knowledge as well. And knowledge is money and knowledge can be so much more, more worthful or worthy than money itself on your bank account. Because in the end, that's what a founder needs, right? Support and sparing and and people who can actually help them in certain ideas or, if, or now, you know, they're in the hiring process and when it's a bothering someone in the creator business, then definitely I can help out because I've been there. I've done that so many times. And and yeah. But I mean, it's it was not that I was searching for it. It really came to me. But now I I I think that once the door is open, you start seeing things differently. And I'm in touch with a lot of big VCs as well. And I get to know more and more about this whole startup world. And yeah, I'm, I'm very, very interested in this whole thing and, and really also keen to learn a lot more. And it's not that, um, yeah, it was probably not the last one, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess it's such a great time for, especially if you have a clear profile, it's such a great time to be an angel investor because with all these angels pro, uh, angel programs you can get on to, becoming yeah. like some sort of operating or venture partner and funds. There's so many ways to expand it, even if you don't have millions in your bank account. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, especially if you have a very clear, cool positioning like you do, it's uh, there are so many options. And when you were talking about positioning, I think it's true. I mean, I was never really pushing my positioning, but I think it's now more than ever relevant that you really find your niche. And especially in this new niche, which is really crafted within the past, I would say one, two, three, three years. And it's now still small in Germany, um, the, the creator economy itself. I think there is a huge opportunity for new faces in this whole investor bubble. And I'm, I'm talking about myself. I mean, can you imagine like three years ago telling me, okay, you're going to be an investor in three years, which would probably be very out of my imagination because I feel like, okay, I'm not in that branch. Like I'm not in that industry. I'm not a scientist. I, I don't even know, should I invest in a tech startup, which is basically a tech startup. But it's, yeah, as I said, the niche is so important, not only for personal branding, but I think for, for investor relations as well. Yeah, so for you, it's really, you, you're you positioning yourself as a creator economy expert, but probably you're also just a really good storytelling advisor, right? So I'm just thinking through your positioning for future um, startups. Yeah. I'm just thinking, what which ones can I send you? <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, the... The idea I also have, or I actually always have in my mind, and that even started four years ago when I didn't even think about startups and um, and really positioning in that way, was every company is a media company. And this is what 
Gary Vaynerchuk said, and also I know that Andreessen Horowitz is talking a lot about it. And it's even more important than ever before that companies not only have a product or inspire people in whatever way, but that they're really able to articulate their message in a good way. And there are so many ways to really reach your audience. And you don't need a million fans. And there is this saying that you don't even need a thousand fans anymore. You only need like hundred raving fans. And then you really get to understand what they know. And this is like the product market product market fit also um, works for the story market fit, right? So do you really know what your audience wants to know? Do you know what they're what the questions are that they're asking themselves? Do you have answers to these questions? Can mm. you really come up with a story that they really feel? It's not only about numbers. I mean, numbers are important as well, but you really need to build a tribe with your product or your company. And it the tribe matters inside of your company when you're going to found a team that really goes along with your values and outside of the company when you want to find your first clients or customers. And story matters so, so much and more than ever before, I think, because when you go back maybe like 20, 30 years, you know, my dad, he is a steel and metal trader. He has <laughs> he had like 20 employees. Talking about storytelling is like, what the fuck? I mean, I just want to do like a good deal and, and sell metal. And, and I don't even know what kind of materials. But now people just don't, yeah, they 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 want to know the people behind it. They want to know the founders and they really want to invest or buy it. Even when they're like a customer, they want to buy um, values and maybe a long-term strategy with it. Yeah, but also the investors, yeah? So, um, so, I mean, I always say that in the beginning, in the really early, early, early stage investing, it's all just about believing in a big vision. And that's just story, you know? That's like the junction of of the characters that are building the story, so the founders, with the vision. And so that's actually, there is so much storytelling in there. And some of the best kind of coach pitches that we uh, um, um, uh, pitch coaches that we have in in, in Berlin, they're all they're all story people, and yeah. it's so critical to know what your story is and to get it right. And yeah. um, I think you you're you're completely right that there's um, th- th- what you're saying that yeah everyone is a media company and I think even more so for like early early stage startups with a very big vision because you need to package that so well. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, and also. Um, the story is not something you first tell yourself and then tell others. Um, what I realized, and this is so crucial, that it must be very intrinsic, right? So mm. the story is inside of you. And even when, when when founders approach me and they say, hey, what if I only funded my own company because of the money, because I want to get rich? I mean, that was... this is. Maybe a topic nobody wants to address, but I'm sure that there are founders, they want to maybe not only be rich, but they want to test how can how successful can I be? How mm. quick can I raise like a big company? And then I tell them, you know, imagine I tell you build a company based on a problem in real estate or build a company based on a problem in in the food sector, for instance. So why are you in this business? Why didn't you choose the other one? And then people realize more and more that it's maybe not only about the money, even if they thought it themselves, but it really has a lot of um, to do with 
with their own belief in and how they are raised and what's their motivation behind it and what's really fascinating them in this industry. And this is all part of the story. And um, a couple of weeks or actually I think two months ago, I was um, hosting a startup, uh, the I think European's biggest university pitch project um, in, in Berlin. And um, it was hosted by the TU Aachen. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of startups like started from university, but super interesting founders, crazy products. I was like really impressed how can sometimes young students set up this crazy idea with a very scientific background next to their studies. But the sad thing, and I really could see it in the eyes of the investors, was that even when the product was phenomenal and and really outstanding, the story was so dry and really nobody was listening to it. And this is not because they were not interested. It was just because the story was not captivating enough. And then Mm -hmm. afterwards, I also approached the... Um, investors um, in the audience and or in the jury actually and I was like so how do you feel about this case or this case I mean the idea was amazing it's like yeah I know but you know the story I don't know and I realized how important it is as a flywheel to really get the attention in the first place and I mean when you're really big and everybody knows about it and you have PR managers and marketers etc then obviously you are uh, already like a pro and get from one series to the next one. And then numbers count a lot, I guess. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, yeah, capturing people's attention. But I think what's just as important for me, at least, to have an, a coherent story is because I want to, I want to believe the founder motivation to go through the bad times. Yeah. And yeah. for me, that's also a part of the story because if the story doesn't, yeah, doesn't isn't so captivating <laughs> that you yeah. would believe that they will go through the really worst times and still keep going. It's kind of a yeah, like a drive of grit. Hundred <laughs> percent. And this is what I mean that people really underestimate um, the intrinsic motivation behind the story. And this is why I also mm. started my um, online academy. So in the first week, it's only about why are you doing what you're doing? And it's not really about how do you structure a story. This comes yeah. really in the second place. But first of all, you have to do a lot of research within yourself. When you're a journalist, and this is what I tell my students all the time, imagine you are the editor-in-chief of your own magazine and the magazine is your own life. So how do you start researching? Mm. What kind of people read your magazine? Um, which um, different topics are you writing about? Which other people are you interviewing for your magazine? So what are you interested in? To what kind of people are you talking? And, and also, where is your magazine sold? Is it like in the business sector, in the tech, where, whatsoever? And when people really take a step back and, 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 and look on their lives or on their personal magazine like a journalist, they realize that there is so much storytelling potential also and so many different angles they can actually um, yeah, structure their story. And they realize what what's the underlying vision of everything and what kind of values do I have and what do I really want to change in the world? Yeah, and is that what you're going to look for for the next companies? Someone that has a really good story or someone that you can craft the story with them? Um, I mean, I look on that perspective more from 
Well, I mean, the founder story counts, but obviously when I get to know people, I don't immediately know their story. I can only tell how passionate are they when they're talking about yeah. their story, right? But um, what also matters in my eyes as a journalist is really the social relevance of the whole topic. And I mean, which is, yeah, I don't know if every investor would, would think like this. This is probably my own... This is my own, only point of view, my own point of view, but I feel like if there is not a long-term vision, which really has a deeper impact on the society, then I'm mm. losing interest. But this is a personal thing. I mean, probably there are a lot of market opportunities that really make a lot of money and investors themselves can get rich. But this is not how I approach it because I know... Like even for myself, you know, that can be an amazing job offer and they can offer me many millions, but I would not do it because I'm just not interested in the topic or the, the topic doesn't, is, this is not useful or I don't know, this is not, I am supporting good in the society and then I don't want to do it. And I had this really interesting conversation with um, a very close real, real, um, relative in my family and um, he actually works in future market trading. And I had this discussion with him. I was like, so, I mean, obviously you earn a lot of money, but what's the point? I mean, what are future <laughs> trades? It's like, it's nonsense. So you are actually trading in a not even existing market, right? And you are pushing markets in the future and it's only based on hypothesis and, and, and gambling to, in my eyes. And I was like, okay, even if I'm in your position, and don't get me wrong, even if you offer me like 500K a year, I would not do it because it feels really useless. Yeah. And this yeah. is how I think about companies as well. Yeah, and I guess that's your, I mean, that was going to be my main next question. What's your main motivation? But I think social relevance is probably yours. Is yeah. social relevance a term that's used a lot in journalism? Because I think it's such a nice term and I don't use it. And I'm going to start using this term. I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, um, this was even even actually um, the term I used a lot when I quit uh, my job at the DPA, as I said, when I didn't even have a strategy and nothing. And I started working with these big companies. I always said, okay, if we're going to do an event together, there need to be some interesting learning, educational fact. So, like people, they go there and they're not wasting your time. And what I mean by that. It's not, oh, they get a free Google phone. It's they go away, they leave the event and they've learned something. Because, you know, obviously everything I've wrote about as a journalist, it was always researching and, and looking for trends and, and, and question marks we have in the society and, mm. and problems that are not solved yet. And this is all, this is all um, stuff that I consider socially relevant because obviously a lot of people ask it and, and the more people they ask it or even the more people in a certain niche who ask it, the more relevant it is. And yeah. to me, like a journalist is also in the search of solutions or finding answers. Maybe Always. not coming up with a product, but with the story and an answer yeah. to this question. And a startup founder is basically doing the same thing, but differently. He is also asking a lot of people. He's also coming up and finding a problem and then coming up with a solution, maybe, or hopefully in the form of a product. 
And this really means progress for me in the society. And this is, to be honest, Tina, this is what really motivates me to go on this whole investment party because it, it, it to me, it makes much more sense or it gives me much more relief, so to say, than investing thousand euros in a huge, I don't know, SAP Google company in stocks because I don't have any influence on this. Yep. I mean, maybe the risk is lower that I lose the money, but also I'm not really in close touch with them. Obviously, I can't really decide what to say and <laughs> what's going to be the next product of Google. I mean, who knows? Um, but if you work closely with startup founders and you realize like how driven they are and, and that you can contribute with your with your knowledge to a better society in the best way, then this is really, yeah, this, this that gives me a lot of hope and also a lot of motivation, yeah. Oh, it's so great speaking to you because it's a, such a different view, this kind of just concept of looking at it as a journalist, just in story and relevance and what do people yeah. care about is um, is a really good, is a really good angle and a really good kind of, um, yeah, I don't know, emotional and check it, on the on the on the validity of a model. Yeah, and it's funny because I actually even realized. I mean, this was my main, main, main motivation, and then I'm hundred percent honest. Afterwards, the money aspect, I was like, yeah, okay, I mean, it's cool to diversify your portfolio, but it was really not about the money for me. Because yeah. otherwise, I would have probably researched totally different. I mean, I believe in the product 100%, but it's also a, it's also a, a, probably it's a niche, in, especially in Germany, that not many, many investors or the majority of the investors are aware of yet. Mm. So mm. there was there wasn't a lot of people I could have asked. I really followed my intuition and. I was so captivated by the idea to support people like myself who really want to live from their own creativity and who want to share and scale their knowledge. Because to me, it's a new way of living in the future and working in the future. And we are shifting from the industrial age to the information age. And also Peter Thiel wrote about it. And I think it was so eye-opening for me as well that the whole economy, how it worked now and how it will be in the next 30, 40 years, or at least how I imagine it, will transform because so many people, maybe they have a side hustle or they are starting podcasts or newsletters or whatsoever. And they realize that thanks to artificial intelligence, it's never been easier to set up your own business. You just go on Webflow, you build your own website. You have like so many apps to do your accounting for hiring platforms. You go on LinkedIn, you know, it's becoming so much more easier than years ago. And the the idea behind it is that as a one-man show, you can, or a woman show, you can, you can um, earn as much as a huge or like a like a let's say a middle middle stand company in Germany. It's not yeah. impossible. If you are smart and if you're working smart and not hard, this is what also my newsletter is about, <laughs> um then then you get to manage this. And it's not freelancing and it's not a typical startup. 
And yeah, and I love the idea to support it because I was always on this quest, really on this quest of searching my own identity. And now I found it. And this to me is 100% socially relevant. That's great. That's yeah. so that's so good. And it's a very nice, hopeful outlook as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I really believe in this. But also, I mean, other topics, um, if I look, I've talked to an investor today who was, um, they're having a lot of um, food startups in their portfolio. And mm. also, you know, I'm, I'm just so, so interested in talking to these founders about their ideas. You know, sometimes they're a scientist and they're like, this is really where my journalist heart is beating like crazy. And when I understand the story and the facts behind this business, this is how I evaluate my portfolio. And this is how I say, okay, that could be a future for people. And then afterwards, I research about the whole conditions, money, and how's the company set up and structure, et cetera. But first, I look at the story. Yeah, that's such a good, that's such a good angle to take. I really like it. I'm so excited to see what you're going to do next. But first <laughs> of all, you got to have your baby. <laughs> yes. Biggest investment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I am. Um, when I when I had my baby and I put in my out of office, I said I'm embarking on my own incubation project. Yes, it's true. <laughs> and you know what's funny? So when I revealed that I did my first angel investment, I actually also justified it with having a daughter because I said, you know, for my daughter, I want her to live in a world where she can live from creativity. And free of charge from decisions from big companies or CEOs who tell her what to do. And this is why I invested in the greater economy. And yeah, come on, that's like such a good conviction. I mean, you have such, I mean, this is, this was just the best, um, I don't know what the word is in English, plaidoyer. Pledge. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Statement for, uh, for, for the company that you invested in, <laughs> but yeah. also the greater economy. So, and, and I think it's such a refreshing view, this whole view of just looking from the story, looking from the journalist side, looking what's relevant to the people. And I remember that from when I worked in, in a publishing company is this, this like ruthless, like I mean, I worked at Build, so it was kind of ruthless. But um, this ruthless view of what do the people care about? Yeah, and um, and I think a lot of investors get kind of a little caught up on, oh, this could be really big and it's a nice technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes forget a little bit about the people. Um, so I think it's a it's it's such a it's such a it's such a cool fresh view, and I think uh, I think we'll see a lot of you in in the investment world, and I really hope so. I hope so too. <laughs> so but, finally, um, what's your top advice for um, an inspiring angel investor? Um, you know, you mean uh, for for investors to be or people yes. who want to someone go someone that's listening investing. to this and saying, "I want to do an angel. Yeah. I want to start doing this." Um, what's your top advice? So my top advice is first of all, clarify your niche with yourself. Don't go um, chasing money. This is definitely not the way I would do it. I was I would first ask myself, so what do I really know about a lot? So where I'm an expert in which field and how can I even contribute with knowledge? And then really start to look at your own environment. Are there people who are setting up companies in this field or talk to many, many aspiring founders or even founders who already started but don't have an investor? Uh, yet and and talk to them and maybe even do some let's say dry runs in your head so would that be a good opportunity 
how do you know that could be a good opportunity based on your knowledge? Mm. Um, and then get to know these people. Let's say you found someone or like a couple or a co-founder couple. Um, get to know these people. Um, don't make it, I mean, that was my case, maybe not for the next time. And, and I even don't know if people have that much time when they go into investing, but it's also a speed dating for yourself, I would say, because mm -hmm. um, it's a lot about, it's not only about how pushy or how ambitious these people are, but also how much empathy do they have, especially when they're going to found a team. And I realized that the guys I've been talking to, they are super ambitious. They are really structured. I know what they've done in the past and I know they're, the companies they have worked for. And I've even talked to people who work with them. So I really got to know how they work. But that doesn't matter if people are really um, unable to be a team player, if they are claiming all the success for themselves because you can't be a good um, startup founder or build a successful product if it's only about you. So I think empathy is something you should really read into it when you date these founders. And this is also what, what really convinced me. And I also love it when, um, let's say, founders don't only see their own vision, but really go globally and, and define their role in this whole society and economy. And, and then once you um, decide, okay, the, the, the couple could be good and the team and the product, etc. And then really go into researching also about the whole, let's say, um, industry they're going to be in. So is it already big in Germany? What are the competitors? Um, how big is the market opportunity? Um, how do you even know? I mean, did you just read it and Googled it? Or are you actually so sure about it because you've been dealing with that topic maybe for the past two or three years? Or maybe you're even a potential client or customer yourself like me? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In that case, with the creator economy. And yeah, and I think do like 80, 90% research and then 10% intuition. I mean, I don't mm. even know if that works. Um, I, I just believe in the idea. And I also promise myself, even if I lose the money, then I at least pay the fee for learning a lot and also overcoming maybe my own challenges and personal um and it's part of the personal development i think this is how i approach it yeah i think so i think it's a very important question like how will you feel after this if you lose the money yeah <laughs> it's a very important question to answer yes exactly Great. but then cool. you also have a story to tell yeah <laughs> Well, thank you, Lara, for taking the time to talk to us. And uh, I know it's uh, in the final weeks before birth. It's, uh, you don't have that much energy, <laughs> but you have brought so much energy to this. So, um, yeah, That's thank you so much. And um, yeah, are you are you are you accepting pitches from companies? I do, I do, and I'm I'm really excited about it. 
be honest, because whenever I get a pitch, I'm immediately trying to craft it and ask myself, okay, is the story good? How can you make it even better? <laughs> and now I'm, I'm really excited to um, check in with the founders. And, and to be honest, it's always, and how do you say in English, like eye on eye connection. It's not top down, you know, I'm not a better person. I'm a journalist and I have a natural curiosity. And I really admire these people who have, done so much research and, and 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 wisdom actually and I'm just really excited to meet them and really help them to get the juice out of their story even more yeah yay what a good closing word <laughs> getting the juice out of the story yeah so um yeah. exactly thank you so much thank you. thank you so much and I'm also very curious um to stay in touch and rework on previous stories Yay. Future stories. Yes, future <laughs> <Yeah>. stories. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Uh, ciao.